Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. All right. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Great to be back with you. Returned yesterday afternoon from Mongolia. Got stuck in China for a day. But glad to have made it back and do want to encourage you to really prayerfully consider doing the school. We've had hundreds of people do the school in the church. We want to make it accessible for everyone. It was the most transformative year of my life when I did it in 1999. And we have tried to make it to where any person in any stage of life can do this incredible opportunity of diving deep into the Word of God in community. So I just returned from Mongolia, and instead of completing our series this morning on the the five Ds, that growth transformation journey, I want to speak to you from something that God was dealing with in my life, and the topic today is fighting fear. Fighting fear. If you're taking notes this morning, fighting fear. You see, we all deal with fear. Let me tell you a little story from my time in Mongolia. After speaking at World Mandate Asia, which was much like our conference we have in January here, except in the heart of Mongolia with Russians and Chinese and Mongolians, we had the opportunity to take a several-day jaunt into the Mongolian countryside. We drove a land cruiser 12 hours, got off-road for about two of those hours, and ended up camping and doing some, some fishing. The world's largest trout are in Mongolia. And I'd gone down a river in some inflatable kayaks, and then we had, had uh, found a, a very desolate spot to fish in, and, and during the afternoon, the fishing was a, a, a little slow, so I went on a walk. And as I'm walking, I look down, and on the ground are the most massive wolf footprints I've ever seen. And that night, as I come back to the tent, uh, everyone had, had gone to bed for the night. I'm walking around, and I hear a few yards away from me in the brush, <sighs> I'm going, ha, ha, ha. I'm sure that's a horse. <laughs> and I keep hearing it louder and louder. I'm hearing scruffling in the brush, and, <sighs> and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go on to bed. I'm going to go get my tent. For some reason, you feel better when you're in a little tent, you know, with a with a quarter-inch vinyl between you and the wild animals. So I end up climbing in the tent, and it's all, all dark, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing right out, I'm feeling like right outside my tent, and I grab a flashlight, and I turn on my flashlight, and it's getting louder and louder. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to throw open the, you know, I'm going to unzip the tent and ah, shine my light right in his face, and hopefully it's going to run away. And I go, ah, and, and nothing's there. And I'm going, what is this? Because the noise is still loud. And I, as my flashlight goes down, it's my 12-year-old son snoring. <laughs> you know, sometimes our fears are unfounded, right? Poor kid. We, we were, the sun was going down at midnight and then coming back up at four, so he was exhausted. <laughs> you know, uh, as we sat around the fire 
in the wilderness of Mongolia, I was able to talk to, to two of our Mongolian friends, and I asked them to share their story of coming to faith and what God had done in their life. I have a picture of them. This is Baida and Garak, and they're actually the, the game wardens in that area that were allowing us to fish for these these amazing fish. There, there Baida is. He's just killed one of his goats and is cutting them up right there to feed us some barbecue. You can tell he's pretty excited about it. We had some amazing, uh, amazing goat cooked out on the fire. But as they shared their story, they said, we feel so blessed by God because our village was one of the first to ever hear about Jesus. See, my friends, when they went in 1990, there were only 10 known believers in the whole country of Mongolia. 10 in a country of millions. And after our friends landed there and started sharing the gospel, they started sending groups out and, and teams from the United States would come and go to villages. And so one of the first village outreaches was in Baida and Garak's village. And these were some of the first to meet Jesus. And this team roughed it. And they lived in the village with the people, I, I had heard these stories, but Biden and Garrick say, said, this Antioch team came to us, and they lived among us, and they shared the gospel, and we gave our lives to Jesus, and we were baptized, and soon, everything about our village started cha changing. They said our village had been known as one of the poorest, one of the most broken. They said, now, everything grows in our village. They said the crops grow. Our wheat crop is of epic proportions. They said we had vegetables that'd be the size of someone's arm. They said our animals grow and they don't get sick here. They said even the people, I said, yeah, tell me about the people. They said our people are healthy and not just physically healthy. They're emotionally healthy. This country is known for depression. Our people aren't depressed. Our village prospers so much so that people are moving from all over Mongolia to live in our village. And as I was hearing that story, I felt like I was in one of the transformation videos. And at that moment, I thought, there's no place else I'd rather be on earth than right here around this campfire hearing about the glory of God transforming a village. But you see, I almost missed it. I almost didn't go to Mongolia. And the reason was because I was dealing with so much fear. You know, a lot of times we think about a person that gets up on stage and we think that kind of person doesn't deal with fear. Public speaking actually is the number one fear of Americans. And so we think about a person speaking on stage and we think that's not a person that just doesn't deal with fear. That's just not true about me. I've had to combat numerous fears in my life. And one of the reasons I didn't want to go to Mongolia is I was going to have to face two of my main fears. You see, as a child, I had a tremendous childhood insomnia. It's very uncommon. But I would have whole nights where I wouldn't sleep a, a wink. It, it was very, very challenging for me, and that, that insomnia led to fear, the fear of not being able to go to sleep, and I'd often get sick, and, and I'd become an emotional wreck because of it, and so I built a fear of not being able to sleep in challenging circumstances, and I knew going to Mongolia, it's not the easiest country, and then going out into the, into the hinterlands, into the villages with all the wild animals, and I just knew that wouldn't be an easy situation. Another fear I have is of claustrophobia. And uh, Asian uh, airlines aren't known for their space, uh, especially China Air. 
And so I was having to deal with these, these two fears. You know, I find that our fears come from several different sources. And let me just put those up for you. Uh, our fears often come from our human weakness. We all are given certain gifts, but we all have weaknesses. It's normal for humans to be weak. And so for me, this childhood insomnia that's gone throughout my whole life. Secondly, I have scoliosis in my back and, and neck that creates a lot of pain. So being cramped up in small spaces is very challenging for me. But I find that also a root of fear comes from our life experiences. Right. Comes from our life experiences. And for me, as a, as a young person with a heart problem, I was put in a CT scan for, for a long time, and I dealt with a, a tremendous episode of claustrophobia from being in one of those tubes and the loud sounds. I, there was also a time I got stuck in a cave for a while. That didn't help much. And uh, so, so dealing with small spaces has brought fear in my life. But thirdly is demonic attack. You know, demons are real. Uh, it's all over scripture, and it's so common, I find that people don't often like to talk about it, but we deal with demonic attack, and often as I've traveled, I've felt the, the spirits in a different place plaguing me or attacking me. I hear about people talking about feeling pressure on their chest or, or feeling choked, and so we deal with fears. Fears are a, a real thing, and the enemy uses fears as one of the primary tools to keep us from living out our purposes in God. And that's what we find when we get to Joshua 1. That's the chapter of the Bible that we're going to be talking from this morning. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn there. If you have it on your app, I'd invite you to open it up right now. And I'd invite you this morning as we highlight some scriptures to underline and take notes as we discuss God's prescription for dealing with fear. Because, you know, we often have our own ways of coping with fear. And, and let me tell you the two that I was tempted to, to take as I started dealing with fear before this trip. See, I really considered first just not going. My, one of our, our primary ways of dealing with fear is just backing out of a circumstance that's bringing fear into our life. So I really thought about not going on this trip, just fleeing fear. You've heard of fight or flight. The opposite of fighting fear is fleeing from fear, and that's one of the things that I really considered doing. The second one was this. The second one was taking a painkiller. You know, and I find that that's very common when we deal with challenges, troubles, pains, and fears in our life. One of the things that I, I, I thought about doing that I was just kind of deliberating doing was just, okay, I'm just going to go and, and, and get some medication to just sedate me. And, and, and hear me very, very clearly, I'm not against medication when you actually need it. You know, I, I'm not one of those pastors that's against doctors. The Apostle Paul, the greatest faith healer uh, of all time, traveled with Luke, a physician. And if you understand our church, you know that we're all about physical healing. We're all about supernatural breakthrough. But I'm not against seeing a doctor if you're sick. And I, I, years ago, went on a long overseas trip, and I didn't sleep for a solid week. Not one, one week for a, a solid week. And I came home, and I was like, you know, I'm never going to do that again. I met with a mentor and told him about this problem. He goes, you know what, that's not normal. It's actually a physical problem. He sent me to a doctor. Uh, my doctor said, yeah, th this is a, a problem we need to, to deal with with medication. Gave me some sleep medication that I take from time to time to regulate sleep. I'm not against medication. 
But you know what? I don't have an anxiety disorder. That's not my issue. But dealing with fear, I was wanting to medicate. So I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just grab some anti-anxiety medication from a friend. And as I was talking about that with Steph, and as we were praying about it, we thought, you know what? That's not what we should do here. I, I find a lot of times when we deal with fear, we deal with anxiety, deal with trouble, that's when people go to alcohol. That's when they go to marijuana. That's when they go to different drugs. That's when we just go and immediately try to self-medicate. And I realized, you know what, that would keep me from going to a higher place in God. I'm just trying to be really honest and vulnerable with you as a pastor because I know that God wants to set a lot of people free. And he doesn't want us to just take the easy way out. He wants us to gain higher ground in God. And so God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 because he was wanting his people to take the promised land. He was taking them from the desert into the promised land. You see, a whole generation had missed their inheritance in God because of fear. And that fear led to complaining. That fear led to sin. And that's where fear will lead us if we don't fight fear. And so we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1, where it says this, starting in, in verse 1. This is God's prescription for fighting fear. It says, after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. You see, they had been wandering around the desert. They had been delivered from their enemies in Egypt, but now they had been stuck in the desert for 40 years. And now there's a new generation. The old generation didn't cross because of fear, but there's a new generation that's going to inherit the promised land. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, and no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is a word for someone today. This is God's prescription for fear. You know, we all deal with fear. There's no one in this room that won't at one time or other deal with fear. And that fear is what will keep us from inheriting the promises of God. So let me just unpack this line by line because this is what God was teaching me over these last 11 days. Let me pull out some truths that you can apply to your life. Starting in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you. Now then, you. You know, it's natural for us to want someone else to go before us. It's natural for us to want someone else to do the heavy lifting. It's natural for us to want the leader to go into the challenging situation and for him to get the victory for us. Can I just tell you that God has inheritance for you? Yes. 
that God has a journey for you. And he's saying to you, that generation is gone. But now it's you. Can I just tell you, if you're living in 2017, that you're God's chosen generation. And you are living in 2017, by the way. (laughs) You're God's chosen generation. We are the ones now that are God's people chosen to do his bidding. And he's saying, you, it's you. Moses is gone. Now it's you that's living. And what does he say to them? He says this. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. You know, that's what we believe as Christians, that wherever we go, we're inheriting the land. That's why I love being on San Diego State campus. Because as we come, his presence is with us, and we're inheriting the land. God wants his people, to establish his kingdom wherever we go. People say, well, why are you always going to different nations? Because God has called us to make disciples of all nations. And as we go into Mongolia, we inherit the land, and people are blessed, and people are changed, and they say, thank you so much for coming, because our village once was despised, and our village once was desolate, and now it's blessed. Why? Because you came. Because you came. He says this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one. Say no one, church. No one one will be able to stand against you. Now, this is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that no one's going to fight you. It doesn't say that no one's going to come against you. It doesn't say that no one's going to oppose you. You know, that, that's often what we think as believers. Well, God called me into this. Well, why did that person come against me? Well, well, God called me into this. Well, why am I having a challenge? No, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So just because God called you doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But then he says, but, but I've overcome the world. What, what this verse is saying is no one's going to stand against you. No, enemies, enemies are going to come against you, but they can't stand against you. You're going to overcome them. You might suffer. You might be challenged. You might be afflicted, but it's not going to stand against you. The Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So yeah, enemies might come. Affliction might come. Challenges might come. When you set out to do the will of God, it's not always going to be easy, but nothing can stand against you. The only one who can disqualify you from your inheritance is yourself. Let me just say that again. The only one that can block you from all that God has for you is you. He says no one is going to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong. And courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Over and over again in this chapter, God will say, be strong and courageous. He doesn't just say it once. He doesn't just say it twice. He doesn't just say it three times. He says it four times. Now, let me just give you a theological lesson. Whenever Jesus wanted to stress something, he would say it more than once. So he would say, truly, truly, I say to you. This isn't just true. This is truly, truly, I say unto you. And every once in a while, he'd say something three times. But here in this chapter, he says it four times. 
You'll find that very few times in Scripture. Why does he say it four times? Because he knows we need it. He knows that we're prone to fear. He knows that we're prone to shrink back, that we're prone to be afraid when giants come against us. And so he says four times, be strong and courageous. Can you say that with me? Be strong and courageous. Now do this. Get your index finger right here. Put it on your heart and look down and say, be strong and courageous. You know, this is a command of God. God gave the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. Don't covet. Right? Don't lie. He gives us these commands. Do you know that it's a command to be strong and courageous? God's actually commanding us to be strong and courageous. You might say, well, but, but I'm a fearful person. You know, you, you don't know me. I, I, I'm one of those worrisome people. That's just kind of how I was made. And, you know, some people are strong and courageous, the Joshua's uh, of this world, but, but you know, but, but, but I'm fearful, I'm, I'm fearful little Felicia, you know, and <laughs> God says to you, fearful Felicia, be strong <laughs> and courageous. My, my, my parents used to say that they were professional warriors. They, they said they actually prided themselves in worrying because if they thought that they could think of the right thing to worry, that they could protect us from it. You know, have you ever met someone like that? You know, if I, if I just think of everything that could go wrong, then certainly I could protect us from everything that could go wrong. And my mom said she thought she was really good at worrying, and she could think of all these things, but she said, the things I forget to worry about, your dad will take care of. He'll worry about them. You know that that didn't work for our family? Even though my parents were... We're, we're worrying about all these things and trying to shield us from all these things. All three of us kids ended up hospitalized with life-threatening conditions. All three of us looked like we were going to die at one time. And my parents said through that journey, they learned to go from being professional worry, warriors to persistent prayer warriors. Can I just tell you that some people need to exchange that title over your life of a professional warrior to a persistent prayer warrior today? You need to just turn in that badge of professional warrior and become a persistent prayer warrior. And those trials, those fears, those challenges transformed my parents to being people that were on their knees as persistent prayer warriors. Scripture goes on to say this, I will be with you. I will be with you. Who is that say, speaking that? That is God. God says, I will be with you. That is the crux of this message right here. How do we get strong and courageous? We're commanded to be strong and courageous. It's not by mustering uh, uh, enough courage in ourselves. It's not by pumping enough iron and taking enough supplements. It's not by drinking enough energy drinks or psyching ourselves out, playing Eye of the Tiger on our iPhones, or whatever you do to hype yourself up. That's not how you get strong and courageous. It's by understanding that Father God, the creator of the universe, the one who parted the Red Sea that spoke and put stars into space, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, is living with you. It's him in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's him with us. We need to not just have a religion, you know, just, 
just this formal thoughts of going to church and saying some prayers. Like religion is not what's going to help you in the midst of your fear. And it's not just like some theological constructs. Well, I know this about God, and I know this about God, and I know this. No, it is God being with you in the midst of challenging circumstances. You know, my son the other day, he watched something on a, on a movie. It was a fine movie, but it got him scared. And, and so at the end of the day, he said, Dad, can you, can you stay with me in my room? And, and can you actually lay down beside me? And, you know, I started thinking about that. That doesn't really make much sense because it's probably better for him if an actual intruder, a boogeyman, came in. It's better than I'm up, you know, in the middle of the house by the door ready to fight. So it really doesn't make sense for me to go and lay down beside him in his bed. But he needed my presence touching him. And he went right off to sleep, as peaceful as could be. Can I just tell you, you need the presence of God in the midst of your fear. You need to feel God beside you. So after my heart was pounding in that tent, after I thought there was a big wolf that turned out to be my son, I'm like, how am I ever going to go to sleep? I got on my knees, and I just said, Father, fill this tent. Fill it with your presence. I need to experience you. And I just sensed his presence, his tangible presence coming and touching me. As I was in that tight Asian airline cramped up, I'm just saying, Father, I need you more than I need a first-class seat. Although that would be nice, Lord. I, I, I need your presence. We need the presence of God. Have you experienced his presence? Have you felt his touch? Have you had him fill your car have you had him fill your room? Have you had him fill the atmosphere around you? How do we do that? How, how, how do we access his presence? The, I want to unpack several more scriptures here that are going to teach us how to walk that closely with God. The first thing it says is this, be careful to obey. Say obey, church. Obey. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Can I just tell you that obedience allows us to walk in the presence of God? Now, we don't earn a relationship with God. Let me be very clear about that. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're not trying to earn our salvation. We're not trying to earn his love. But let me tell you this, that God looks for holy and pure vessels to light upon. To, he, he wants to, to stay near to those who want him near and walk with a clean hands and a pure heart. My, years ago, one of the first guys to disciple me, Mark Masterson, told me this story where he was uh, in, in Siberia on an outreach. And like many of us, for years, he had watched all kinds of junk on TV and, and movies. But Going through his training school and then being on outreach, they had gone without the stuff. And there was a, a no rated R policy in the training school. And then he hadn't seen TV and movies for a long time. And, and he said it was just such a sweet time of walking hand in hand with God. But one day he was reaching out to a, a young man who worked in a TV store. And as Mark was waiting for him to get off work, he just got mesmerized by watching TV. And he was watching this old action movie that he had seen in his past. And so he got kind of hooked on it. And all of a sudden as he's watching it, there's just this graphic, violent murder. 
And he said right when he saw that happen, it was like he felt the presence of God just go and withdraw. And Mark said it just grieved his heart. He said, oh, no, God, no. You know, that's why David said, don't cast me from your presence, O Lord. Remove not your, your spirit from me. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm not talking about losing God's love. But I am talking about when we walk holy and pure and try to keep our minds pure and our eyes pure and our heart pure, God's spirit can just gently rest on us moment by moment. But he has to withdraw when we purposely step into sin. So Moses is saying, here's how you can be with me. God's saying this to, to Joshua, by being careful to obey all that I've commanded you. Now look at what he says next. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. I must have said this phrase 2,000 times on this trip. Anytime I started dealing with fear, I just said, keep this book of the law always on your lips. And I would start speaking out the word of God. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I say, God, you're holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All heaven and earth are full of your glory. You see, when we speak out the word of God, it builds faith in our hearts. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing the word of God. The Bible says that there's power of life and death in the tongue. And so when you start dealing with fear, one of the greatest things you can do is keep the book of the law on your lips at all times. Start speaking out the word of God. We talked a couple of weeks ago about quantum physics and how when you speak a word, it becomes a permanent fixture in that space that you spoke it. I want to fill the space around me with God's word. So I speak the word of God. When I start dealing with fear, you just start speaking out who God is. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're the lamb that was slain. You're the light of the world. You're the rose of Sharon. You're the king of kings and lord of lords. And I just command, I speak out who God is and what he's doing in my life. When you deal with fear, use the word of God as a sword to pierce through the darkness. Watch what he says next. He says, meditate on it day and night. When you're fearful, the battle is in your mind. Now here's what we also know from science is that two objects can't take up the same space. So if you start meditating on the word of God, there's no space in your mind for fear. Now you might feel a struggle for a little bit, but you just focus your mind. Can I just tell you that I've memorized more scripture to combat fear than anything else? Sometimes people say, how do you know so much scripture? I say, because I've dealt with fear so much. Well, why, why, why do you have so much scripture in your head? Because I need it. I've had to have scripture in my mind because my mind's trying to run wild. And so I, I just keep meditating on scripture. Do you have fighting verses in your head? We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against the, the forces of darkness and we combat it with the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. I memorized a whole chunk of scripture on this trip. Why? So I can meditate on it day and night. I don't want to give the enemy an opportunity to fill an empty mind. So you start dealing with fear, you start meditating on the word of God, and there's no room for that fear to occupy your mind. Someone's going to get free today if you grab hold of this. Meditate on it day 
and night. It's, it's actually counterintuitive. When I'm dealing with fear, I find that I have to meditate on the word of God, and all of a sudden I find that my mind is more fixed on the things of above and more holy than before. It's like fear becomes a springboard to me meditating on God. You know, when I'm not dealing with things so often, I can just kind of get lazy, just think about the dumbest things. Yeah, have you ever noticed that? You're just like thinking about a cheeseburger. <laughs> but, but you're dealing with fear, and then you have to meditate on the, on the word of God, and you're meditating on his character, and all of a sudden the enemy is losing in his own game. Because he was attacking you so much, you were having to fight, which is bringing you into the presence of God. And so fear can actually be a catalyst to you drawing near to God. Meditate on it day and night. Watch this. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Watch. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You will be prosperous. This isn't just talking about financial blessing. This is talking about a prosperity of soul, of heart, of mind. This is talking about peace in your inner man. This is talking about joy in the depths of who you are. When you speak out the word of God, when you meditate on the word of God, when you're obeying the word of God, there's a promise that you're going to be prosperous. I ask people all the time, how can I pray for you? They say, I just want to be happy. Can I just tell you this is one of the secrets to happiness? Speaking the word of God, meditating on the word of God, obeying the word of God, and it leads to prosperity. But not just, it doesn't just say prosperous, it says and successful. Who wants to be successful in here? I want to be successful. This is a prescription for success. Speak out the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Obey the word of God, and you're going to be prosperous and successful. I must have quoted this verse a thousand times, two thousand times. On this trip, have I not commanded you, is what it says next. Have I not commanded you? So this is a command from God. Have I not commanded you? What's he going to command Joshua? Have I not commanded you? Okay, well, well, what are you going to tell me? What are you going to tell me to do? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's a command to be strong. There's a command. It's not just a command to go into the whole world and make disciples. It's not just a command to not sin, to, to not cheat, to not steal. There's a command to be strong. You're called to be strong and courageous. And watch what he says next. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I, I, I realized over these 11 days, God, you've told me don't be afraid. Like I, 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 when I choose fear, I choose sin. Have you thought of that? When you choose to meditate on your fear, you're choosing to sin. You got to get this in your mind because you got to run from fear. You got to run from, from meditating on your fear. He says, do not be afraid, but watch what it says next. Do not be discouraged. I find that our fear leads to discouragement. Before the trip, I was fearful, and then I got so discouraged that I was fearful. You ever had that before? Oh, I can't believe I'm fearful. I'm a Christian. What's wrong with me? I can't believe I'm fearful. I'm a pastor, for crying out loud. How could I be fearful? I'm so discouraged. Man, my life is so discouraging. The Bible commands us not to be discouraged. Do not let discouragement sit in your brain. Do not choose discouragement. Some of us think, well, that's just, you know, that's my identity. Discouragement's become a comfortable place. You're like Eeyore. <laughs> Thanks for noticing me. 
You know, it's sunny, Eeyore. Well, it'll be rainy soon. <laughs> you choose discouragement because it's self-protection. Because it keeps you from having expectation that things might be good. So you just choose discouragement because that's the safe place for you. Because if everything's bad, then, then you don't have an expectation that got unmet. And God said, nah, don't choose discouragement. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You need to change that identity of discouragement for one of courage. Someone's going to get free today. Someone's going to change the way they look at life today. You've seen life through discouragement. Everything bad happens to me. That's not who you are. That's not what God's called you to. He's called you to inherit the land. He's called you to walk into his promises. But it starts by not being afraid and not being discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. You know, God promises to be with you wherever you go. But you see that last word, it says go. So many times as believers, we don't want to go. Well, I just want to stay here. Everything's good here. We don't like change. The majority of people don't like change. We don't want to change. We don't want to go. Do you know that in in the Christian life, we're always supposed to be going? We're always supposed to be moving forward? There's always new land to take. So if you just are sitting, you're not obeying. God is always calling us forward. He's always calling us to inherit the promises. There's always new places to go in him. And if you go, he says, I will be with you. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. You know, I almost didn't go to Mongolia. And I would have missed out on so much. We got to World Mandate Asia. I got to speak at that conference I was the opening night. The room was packed with people, so many new people there. I gave an altar call. I shared the gospel about the love of Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross to forgive sins, rising from the dead to defeat sin, the opportunity to receive him as a free gift. I said, who wants this? Who wants to actually give their life to Jesus? So many hands went up that I thought they misunderstood me. I said, if that's what you want, come to the front. They came to the front in floods. I went, this is unbelievable. But I had different ones there. Esther Miles, one of our church members that's serving as a missionary there, she said, Robert, I talked to so many people, they were all giving their lives to Jesus. I would have missed seeing that. We'd lay hands on people. The power of God would come on them. People couldn't even stand. We had miracles, healings taking place. I would have missed it. I would have missed it if I wasn't willing to go. Where's God calling you to go? Maybe it's into a new business. Maybe it's up to some friends and share the gospel. Maybe it's across the street to a neighbor. Maybe it's stepping into a new place in a relationship. Where is God calling you to go? Don't miss his power flowing through your life. Joshua had to step into a raging river, and God then stopped the river, and he got to see the miracles. You know, I I, I would have missed seeing what I've dreamed of seeing for years. I've heard these stories about whole places being transformed, land being healed, whole villages coming to Christ. I would have missed seeing that if I wouldn't have gone. That night around the fire, I thought there's no place I'd rather be on earth than seeing this, but I almost missed it because of fear. Don't miss seeing the goodness of the Lord. 
because of your fear. But here's one, one other one. This is, a, this is a really sweet one. Uh, some of you guys know me. I, I, I'm an out, avid outdoorsman. I love to hike and I love to fish and, and hunt. I just got to fish for the biggest trout in the world. And I hooked one. I mean, we caught a lot of trout. We cooked them on the fire, but I hooked a timon. Like these massive trout. I fought it. All the way to the shore. And then I lost it. But that's okay. <laughs> I hear that only one in ten are actually landed. But I was, only Hudson and I hooked them on our trip. I got to live out one of the, the dreams, one of the desires in my heart. God didn't have to let me do that. You know, I've always dreamed, I'm a fly fisherman, I've always dreamed of these big trips into the wild. I've never got to do it. I'm a pastor. I don't have a lot of extra money to do that. I don't have a lot of extra time. But all of a sudden, here I am, not just in Alaska, I'm in Mongolia. Ha <laughs> ha! With the biggest trout in the world! Hooking it! Ha! <laughs> Psalm 103. It says that he satisfies our desires with good things. The Bible talks about seeking him first, but then him giving us the desires of our heart. God doesn't have to be that good. If I wouldn't have gone, I would have missed it. I would have missed hooking up with the biggest trout in the world. But when I stepped into it, God says, I'm not just going to bless you. I'm not just going to use you in power. I'm also going to give you the little desires that I know that are in you because I put them there, Robert, and I want to walk you into that abundant life. Don't miss the goodness of God because of your fear. Step into the promises, and he'll be with you. Let's stand up. Just close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes and pray with me right now. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you a chance right now. He is better than anything you've ever experienced he wants to forgive your sins. He wants to let you know that you have a relationship with God. He wants to take you to heaven when you die. That's why I died on the cross. You could never pay for all the wrong things you've done. Our sin separates us from God, but Jesus died on the cross to forgive you and give you a new life. And if you want to meet God and actually have him in your life, I want you to pray this prayer right with me. You can repeat it right after me. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. Enter my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. And all over this room, I want to pray for you if that's been your heart's desire. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out, but I do want to pray for you. If that's you, you just prayed that prayer. I want you to do something right now. I just want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around, but just raise your hand, and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So many hands going up. Who else? Just raise your hand so I can see you. Awesome, 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 awesome. Who else? Just raise your hand boldly where I can see you. Come on. Father, I thank you for all these that are giving their life to you right now. I pray that they would know that their sins are forgiven, that they would feel your Holy Spirit coming in their life. They would know that their names are written in your book, and they will go to heaven when they die. We celebrate with them today. Let's just give a hand to the Lord for all these people.
And those that raise their hand, if everyone just keep their eyes closed, those that raise their hand, I want to invite you to come forward right up here in a few minutes. Uh, Kendall and Joel, can y'all be up here? We have a book to give you, and I want to invite you to just come up to our pastors, get one of these free books from them. But now for everyone else, I want you to respond. In the last service, the response was just overwhelming. If, if today you're just saying, you know what, there's fear that's keeping me. I know a fear, and, and we all deal with fears at different times, but there's fear that I'm ready to step past. I'm done dealing with this fear. I'm ready to give it to the Lord. I'm ready to step past it. If today you're willing to step past your fear into your promised land, I just want you to come up here and just line the front, just the whole front from side to side. If you know that there's a fear that's been blocking you, just think for a moment. If you know that there's a fear, you just step forward right now because we're going to deal with that fear. We're going to give this fear to the Lord. It might be a financial fear. It might be a relational fear. It might be a fear in your parenting. You've been so fearful with your kids. You just step forward. You can face this direction. You can just look right at the name of Jesus. But I want you to step forward. It might be a fear of sickness. There's some people in here, I feel like God's speaking to me right now. You fear disease. And it might not even make sense. You're like, that's embarrassing. I shouldn't fear it, but you do fear it. I want you to step forward right now. There's a person right now, there's a fear, you have a strange fear, it's a fear of breaking bones. And if that's you, I want you to step forward because God wants to deliver you from that. There's a person with a fear of suicide this morning. We want to deal with that. You just come forward boldly right now. There's someone that, there's a, there's a real fear, God's is speaking to me right now. There's someone that's been dealing with fear uh, uh, in your brother or sister relationship. And God wants to deliver you. Let's just, can we step forward and give, give some more people some room? two more fears I want to specifically address because I know this helps when you know that God's calling your name. There's a person with a fear of drowning in here. I want you to come forward. And there's another person that has had a fear of being strangled. I know that's, that's, that's uh, very graphic, but God wants to deliver you today. Now, I want you to just do this. If you're standing up here, I want you to just hold your hands like this. And I want you to see in your mind's eye that fear in your hands. And I want you to just repeat after me. I want you to, in a moment, to say, I will not fear, and then you name that fear out loud. I will not fear whatever it is any longer, and I just drop it at the foot of the cross. So when you're ready, I want you to just say that, I will not fear, and then name it, and then just drop it at the foot of the cross. You just speak that out loud, and then drop it, and just let it go, and then turn your hands upside down so you can't pick that fear up again. And then we're going to, secondly, we're going to do what the Bible says. We're going to keep the book of the law on our lips. I just want you to start speaking out, God did not give me a spirit of fear. Just say that boldly. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Say that, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I want you to speak to your heart now and say, be strong and courageous. Say it loud, be strong and courageous. Say it loud. Be strong and courageous. Now I want you to just open your hands and say, no, I didn't receive a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sonship. And you just receive that mark of sonship, that love of God right now. And I'm just going to pray for you as your pastor because I believe that what God was doing to me over these 11 days, he wants to pour out on this church. So Lord, I just pray 
over my precious friends, over my spiritual brothers and sisters in this room. I pray, Lord, that victory you were giving me, now give them in Jesus' name. Pour out your love. Pour out your courage. Pour out your spirit on them. We pray a breakthrough over fear. Lord, every one of those fears, it's a spirit. We command it to go now in Jesus' name. Some of you know you've been dealing with the spirit. Just tell that spirit to leave now in Jesus' name. I'm not saying you're possessed, but I am saying that we can be attacked by spirits. And so we command. You just command that spirit. You command whatever spirit. You command that spirit of fear. Say, leave me in Jesus' name. And I'm going to have Dana just sing this song over us again. And you just sing it with all your heart because we replace fear with faith. And we're going to say, I will pursue a passion for you. He's calling us deeper this morning. Let's sing this with all our heart right now as we finish our time, church.